Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. How many of you love it when God steps into humanity and does something miraculous? How, how many of you love that? I mean, we, we, we love it when we, matter of fact, that's, that's why you love reading the Bible. You, you know, that, that, that's why you love reading the Bible. Uh, many years ago, I was, uh, Michelle and I, the church sent us on our 25th anniversary. I'll tell you how long ago that was. We're cruise overdue, baby. Because on January the 15th, in about 27 days, two days, three days, we will celebrate 42 years of marriage. I married her when she was three. You'll hear that's kind of in our story today. And, um, and, and, and I, I was, I was uh, we were on this cruise and, and I was, um, it was, it's at that time was the largest passenger cruise ship in the world. It was the Queen Elizabeth. And we were somewhere, we flew to London and then got on this and you go all around whatever, Paris or whatever, all a bunch of names you can't pronounce, with museums that you walk through all day long. And so I, I, I'm going to the bathroom and I, I, I'm washing my hands and I look down and I see a book laying like this and, and probably just like you might do, I just started instinctively reading what it said. And the title of the book said, The God Delusion. Why some people believe that a dead man rose from the dead after three days and that a fish swallowed a man and he lived for three days and he threw him up. And other fairy tales. And so I just read that out loud while I'm washing my hands. And the guy comes standing up next beside me and he goes, yeah, mate, that's my book. I said, wow. He said, have you heard of it? I said, I, I, I actually, I had not heard of it, but, you know, it says that there were things that happened, raised from the dead, fish swallowed a man, and other fairy tales. I said, well, th those aren't fairy tales. He said, well, how do you know they're not fairy tales? I said, because I've seen a miracle before. He said, Really? I said, yeah. He said, well, what was it? And then I began to share with him my testimony, my story. Christ changed my life and all, all the different things. You've heard it. You can probably repeat it better than me. And so I, I, I come walking out. He goes, you, you have to walk with me. I said, okay. So I walk out and we're standing right there and his wife comes up and in his British accent, he goes, you need to meet this man, honey. He believes in miracles. He was raised in a bar. Dad was married five times. He was in drugs and gangs. And Jesus changed his life and raised him from the dead and set him free. He says he's a miracle. And that's why this book isn't true. We always love it when God invades human history, don't we? As long as we're not involved in it. Because in order for a miracle to happen, something has to be so terrible and so dramatic in such dire circumstances that it looks like it's a foregone conclusion that, that the natural course of life will happen. A person that's sick that will die. A person who's suffering, it will continue to suffer and it will just get worse. Just, just the normalities of humanity. 
But when God intervenes in history, he does that so that there will be no excuse that no one will ever be able to say, where is God? Today we find that in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. <laughs> Elizabeth, if you remember two weeks ago, I talked to you about Elizabeth's husband who was a priest. You see, during biblical times, the way you became a priest is you didn't go to LCC preschool. You, you were born into a certain family of priests. And all those who were, came from that family, all the males became priests. That's what they became. It was the Levitical tribe, the tribe of Levi. And so Zechariah was a priest. And his wife was Elizabeth. His wife had a nickname. She was called the barren one because they'd prayed for children for years, probably got married in their teens. And now at almost 70 years old, an angel appears to him and says, you're going to have a child. Your prayers have been heard. And he asks for a sign to prove that it's true. And because of his disobedience, he got a sign, but the sign was not one that any of us would want. You're going to read about that in just a moment. But now, six months later, the same angel is about to appear. And he's about to appear to the niece of Zechariah. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from the presence of God to an unmarried girl named Mary. She was living in Nazareth, a village of Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel the angel appeared to her and said, Rejoice, beloved young woman, for the Lord is with you, and you're anointed with great favor. But Mary was troubled over these words of the angel and bewildered over what that would mean for her. And the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to fear. Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with the baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus, and he will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king over the throne of his ancestors, David, and he will reign as the king of Israel forever, and of his reign there will be no limit. And Mary said, how can this happen? I'm still a virgin. And Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you. That's how. And the Almighty will spread the shadow of his power over you in a cloud of glory. And that is why the child that is born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth, she's six months pregnant now with the son. The one called the barren one is now six months pregnant. And read this with me. For no promise is empty of power. For with God, come on, say it with me. And Mary responded saying, yes, I will be a mother to the Lord as his servant. I accept whatever he has for me and may everything you have told me come to pass. Now, what I just read you was out of the book of Luke. Now, there are four gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and John give us an eyewitness account. They, they actually saw it and wrote it down. John wrote exactly what he saw, but Luke was different. Number one, Luke was not Jewish. He was actually a Gentile convert. Luke didn't walk with Jesus like the other disciples did, 
But he wanted to get an accurate account of what actually happened. So you know what he did? You can read in Luke chapter 1. He went and interviewed every one of those people individually. He interviewed them individually. So that means he interviewed Zechariah. He interviewed Elizabeth. That means he interviewed Mary, the mother of And she told him exactly how it all happened. Now, we all know that the disciples had different professions. Peter, James, and John, what did they do? They were fishermen. Jesus was a? Carp. Okay, do, do y'all know the people of the Bible? You're scaring me. And, and so each one of them had different. Matthew was a? Come on, have you seen the chosen? He, he was a tax collector. But do you know what Luke was who wrote the book of Luke? Does anybody know? Say it loud. Isn't it interesting that the person who would tell us about a 70-year-old woman having a baby and a virgin giving birth to a child, one is the improbable and the other is impossible, is someone who was a physician himself. A physician himself. Because people would discount and go, these are just people that want... He goes, no, I am a physician. And I personally interviewed every one of these people so the facts would be known so that I could present them to you. How profound that a doctor would speak of a 70-year-old woman having a baby and a virgin being the first virgin and last in all of history to produce a child. What was Mary's response to the angel that we read? But before we get to that, do you remember Zechariah? Do you remember Zechariah two weeks ago? His response when Gabriel, the angel, showed up and began to talk to him while he was burning incense in the altar as a priest? Here's what happened. He tells him he's going to have a child, that his prayer's been heard. He's 70, a prayer he stopped praying probably 20 or 30 years before. And listen to what Zechariah the priest says. And Zechariah answered the angel, say it loud. How do you expect me to what? And then he begins to tell him all the reasons why this can't happen. I am, oh man, my wife is, now remember this is pre-blue pill. Whatever pill it is. What sign, what sign, what, can you give me that this will happen? And the angel pulls out his driver's license. I am Gabriel, okay? Now, if you're looking for a sign, how many of you know if an angel shows up between nine and 12 foot tall, appears out of nowhere, and begins telling you the things that have never happened since the beginning of time, but it did happen at the beginning of time. It did happen at the beginning of time because I'm gonna tell you about that in just a moment. And he says, I am sent from God. You're looking for a sign. How many believe that's a pretty strong sign? He says, I am Gabriel. And then he tells him what his address is. Here's my address. One, 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 one next to the throne. Throne street. I stand beside what? And he sent me to announce this good news to you. I thought it was good news till I met you. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at the appointed time and the child is born to you. 
This will be. Have you ever asked God for a sign? Be careful. He may give you one. He may give you one. Just, just contrast. This is the first thing I want to do. Mary's, Mary's response contrasted to the Zechariah, the priest's response. Zechariah was an educated priest. Mary was an uneducated peasant girl. I mean, this, this, is, this is Gabriel showing up in Delcom. by the shrimp boats to a little Cajun girl who just loves God and prays. Zachariah had given up on a prayer that he had prayed for over 30 years. Mary, she never prayed to be pregnant outside of marriage. I know a lot of women that have prayed to get pregnant, none of them outside of marriage. He questioned the improbable. Now, it's interesting because we, we just got to doing a series on the founder of the Jewish faith. What was his name? Abraham. Abraham. The miracle of Abraham's life is, how old was Abraham when he had the promised son? Let me give you a hint. A hundred. That's the hint. He was a hundred. The whole Jewish faith is predicated on God appearing to a man in Genesis chapter 12 named Abraham saying, get up and go to a place I'm going to show you. Keep going. And when you get there, I'll tell you where you are and all the land that's there I'm going to give you. And today, 7,000 years later, the Jews are in Israel on the very land God gave Abraham 7,000 years ago. That means God's good at keeping his promises. And so... Abraham, the miracle was Sarah got pregnant in her 90s and he became a father at 100. That is the foundation of the Hebrew faith. So when an angel shows up to a priest and says, you're going to have a child at 70, when he knows all of his life, he's been teaching out of the Torah, which is the Old Testament and the law and the prophets about Abraham, the father of their faith. He became a father at 100. I don't know if you saw this, but two weeks ago, there was a lady, 70, who just gave birth to twins. It was in vitro fertilization. So what the angel told him was improbable, but it had happened before. When she questioned, she questioned the absolute impossible that had never happened before. No woman has ever been born, had a child who was a virgin, regardless of what they told their mom and daddy. He didn't believe the angel Gabriel's promise from God was possible. She believed Gabriel's proclamation was to do the impossible and that he could. He rejected the answer to his own prayers. Is it possible to pray for something, but God answered in a way that you didn't anticipate, so you reject the very thing that you prayed for? Has anybody here ever prayed to get close to God? Well, the rest of you want to be far from it. Has anybody prayed to get close to God? Raise your hand. Okay. And then God gave you teenagers. <laughs> oh, yeah. He gave you teenagers. And, and, and you... They, they, they passed through puberty, discovered girls in guitars. I'm just preaching to Joseph now. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they, 
and, and you started praying. How many of you know teenagers that make you pray? Oh, now we know who you are. Now y'all there. <laughs> the teenagers will make you pray and, and you start praying. Because have you ever prayed this? God, I want to be closer to you. How many prayed just, I re prayed that I want to be closer to you. So he gave you a teenager. So, so you get this teenager and the teenager starts starting to run buck wild. Then you start praying, God, touch my child. God, touch my child. Bring him closer to you. And you keep getting closer to God and they keep getting further from God. And you keep saying, God, look, I'm already close enough. It's them. <laughs> See, God uses the improbable to do the impossible. And he answers prayers in ways that we never understand. He answers prayers. And if we're not open, we end up rejecting the very thing that we've prayed for. God, do whatever it is to, to, to bring my children to you. Boom, they go bankrupt, lose a job. Their marriage is falling apart. You're going, God, this, this isn't, this is, oh, yes, it is. I'm going to remove everything that's kept them from me till they get to, it's just them and me. I'm afraid that too many times we reject the answers that God sends us. She received what she never prayed for. She never prayed to be pregnant without a man. And finally, he, he gave every reason to Gabriel why this was not possible. I'm old. The blue pill hasn't been invented. My wife is old. She didn't doubt what she couldn't even understand. I, I think that sometimes that, that we are so dialed in to, to just doing things the right way and, and making sure everything is in order and making sure everything on our part is all exactly as it should be that sometimes we eliminate the possibility of the supernatural. I, I think sometimes that... that that we have it so mapped out. I mean, how many of you, when you go on a trip, you plan sandwiches, you get a little emergency kit, you got flares, you got your extra phone in case that extra phone dies out. You got all of these different, how many, how many of you do that? That's you, that's you. Okay, those are the folks that did real good. How many of you did real good in school? You couldn't wait till report card day. Raise your hand, come on, come on. I hate you in a Jesus kind of a way. How many of the rest of the real Christians are, you know how to turn a D into a B? How many know how to turn an F into a B? Where are my people? Where are my people? That's the real Christians. You, you, you know, when you get to where you're supposed to be, and you, if you got there in reasonable condition, it's a good day. Sometimes if we're wired to where everything has to fit into a box, we move God out of our lives. We move God out of our lives. God is never bothered. He, he, he's never bothered when we ask him questions. He's only bothered with our unbelief when we do not believe his answers. You see, faith is not blind faith. J Jesus made sure. That, well, it isn't like there's basket robins. There's how many flavors does basket robins have? 31? They've never entered, invented any of this day since I was a kid. At 31, when I was eight, it, 
It, some people think that, that religions are like, you just happen to be born at chocolate flavor and that's yours, or Catholic flavor and that's yours, or Baptist flavor and that's yours, or Muslim flavor and that's yours, and Hindu flavor and that's yours, and Buddhist flavor and that's yours, and, and that's the way. That, nothing could be further from the truth. That would be blind faith. Jesus differentiated himself from every other religious leader in all of history. He is the only one to come from heaven. He is the only one to be born of a virgin. He is the only one to raise from the dead. He's the only one to come back and tell us. He's the only one. So it's not blind faith. But you know what happens? Why is Zechariah looking at an angel asking for a sign? Do you know why? Because disappointment and discouragement over the prayers that he prayed and what he'd hoped for that didn't happen, now that his answers come, he can't even believe it. He's censorious. He's critical. There's nothing wrong with being a critical thinker, but there's nothing wrong with being a critical thinker. But there's something wrong when you can't look back behind you and see the divine hand of God, the times you shouldn't have made it, the times you should have been in that car wreck, the times you would have been at this place when something terrible would have happened to you. But you look back at a time in your life and what you considered, oh, I just made it through. You now look back and go, that was the supernatural hand of God. And you know what I've discovered? The more you begin to see God behind you, the more God begins to show you things in front of you. But if you can't acknowledge what he's obviously done behind you, don't be surprised if the only sign you get is you can't speak. Whew. I just got the free songs. Sometimes, sometimes God will provoke your mind to expose your heart. He'll provoke your mind to expose your heart. Here's the second thing, Mary's circumstances. Think for a minute about, imagine about this 13-year-old girl who her only qualification, she's not educated. Michelle and I were just in Nazareth last year. It's, Nazareth is no place. It's no place in the region of Galilee. That's why one of the disciples said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? It's no place. This, this is God showing up in the smallest place you can imagine, to, to a place that's under Roman rule. Not, not only do they despise women, and they're nothing more but a possession, but, but Jewish women, they're less than that. They're under Roman siege there. And the qualifications for this woman, she's not educated. She's not politically connected. She doesn't come from royalty. But God is about to do something in her life that will change and alter the history of the world. Maybe it's not the school your kids go to. Maybe it's not the degree they get on the wall. Maybe it's not who you have the hookup relationship with. Maybe, maybe it's God being in their lives. It's the greatest objective of their life. And now, I mean, the angel comes and tells this 13-year-old girl that. Do you know what he doesn't tell her? I'm going to Joseph's house next. Because he doesn't. You see, during biblical times, they had prearranged marriages. Say that with me. Prearranged marriage. Come on, say it loud. Prearranged. When I was single, I never wanted prearranged marriage. 
When I had children, I want prearranged marriages, all of them. All of them, all of them are prearranged. All of them are prearranged. In the Eastern culture, they still do that now. So Joseph and Mary were from the same village and, and they would have known from the time they were seven or eight years old that they were going to be married to each other. There was a deal made between the parents. That was called betrothed. And the only way you could break that was to actually get papers for divorce. And so I, if I'm Mary, I'm going, did you tell Joe? Are you going to talk to him? And do you know what the answer is? He doesn't. She goes and she tells Joseph, read it. Read it between Matthew and Luke. She goes and tells Joseph, and Joseph says, he knows what the penalty is. You know what the penalty is for someone getting pregnant outside of marriage in biblical times? You're stoned to death, just like the woman caught in the act of adultery. They take rocks and beat you to death. So he decides that he's going to secretly put her away, and it's only then that the angel appears and speaks to him. You know what I would have said if I was Mary? Okay, Gabe, I'm, I'm good with this. Like, this is kind of crazy, but I'm good with it. I've always liked kind of strange things. But daddy's room right there. <laughs> I know you're going to tell daddy. Mary, who was interviewed, never speaks of her parents knowing from the angel. Mary, who is interviewed by Dr. Luke, doesn't speak of Joseph finding out before, only finding out afterwards. Now I'll ask you a question. If your 14-year-old showed up pregnant, would they consider themselves blessed, favored, special, and chosen? Which goes to tell me that sometimes God allows us to walk through things that we don't understand because he loves us and trusts us that much. He trusts us that much. Look at me. You say, Pastor, I can't believe a God I don't understand. Then you're sadly mistaken because the God that you're left with is you. And ask your mate. I promise you, they don't understand you either. <laughs> if you can understand everything about God, he's not the God. I know. Here's the third thing, Mary's celebration. A after she agreed to everything that Gabriel told her would happen to her. Listen to what she says. She doesn't cry. Most women in her situation would cry. She begins to sing. Listen to this. And Mary sang this, what? My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praise to God. My spirit burst over joy with the life-giving God. For he has set his gaze upon me, his lowly servant. And from here on, everyone will know that I've been favored and blessed. Read this together with me. The mighty one has worked. Holy is his. Let's read this together. Mercy kisses all who fear him from one generation to the other. Whew. Think of this. Zechariah got a message from Gabriel, and because of his unbelief, he was mute. A 14-year-old, 13-year-old, uneducated girl from a small village heard the same message about what God would do through her, and she began to worship, which, which tells me something. It tells me something. I, I, I don't know when, and I don't pray for anyone 
But let me just tell you as someone who's been preaching for 50 years and lived for a few more. The unexpected is going to come knocking at your door. It's not a matter of if, it's simply a matter of when. Something that you never prepared for, something that you never imagined, something that you never conceived is going to happen. You say, Pastor, I I thought if I was a Christian that I would get beyond all of those things. There would be no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. There will be in heaven, but not here. So, when, when I get to those moments of my life, what, what do I do at those moments? What do I do? What do I allow at those moments to carry me? You know what Mary did when she didn't understand all of this? Because you know a 13-year-old didn't understand how Virgin was going to have a baby. You know that. It wasn't a matter of the science of it. She believed an angel's word from God. Versus science. And you know what she did? She worshiped. Say it with me. She worshiped. She worshiped. Do you know what that means? When you get to places in your life where things happen to you that you don't understand, that knock at your door that you never imagined, you know what you need to do? You need to worship. My friend Chris Hodges says it like this. If you ever can't find God, start worship him worshiping him. The Bible says the father seeks worshipers, those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And look at me, you don't have to worry about finding God then, he will find you. He will find you. In your darkest hour, worship. Why? Because the presence of God comes in and fills the gap between whatever you're experiencing and the grace that will carry you through it. The grace that will carry you through it. What do we learn from Mary's obedience versus Zachariah's unbelief. Last five or six minutes, I want to tell you three things we learned. Number one, we learned that my belief will determine what I give birth to. My belief will determine what I give birth to. Don't we all want what God does for us to be because of our belief instead of in spite of our unbelief? How many things are not birthed through you and me because we doubt what God can do and we give up on the promises of God? The angel said, speaking of Elizabeth, the barren one, that's what she was called. The word barren, the translation simply means where there is no life or lifeless. There is no situation in your life that will ever be barren because the light and the life of the world lives inside of you. And no matter what you're going through, if God is with you, you can't be barren. He is life. He is life. How many things in my life and in my family have been called barren because of my unbelief? Belief is the birthplace for everything that God wants to give you in your life. I will never become anything that I can't believe that I am, even if it's God's will for me. Do you know that it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance? How many of you know that? It's God's will. But still, there are many people that are away from God. Why? Because just because he's provided it for them doesn't mean that they believed and received it. Faith gives me access to what grace has given me because of the cross. It begins when we're born again. I'm born again by believing. I'm forgiven by, I'm righteous by, I'm heaven bound by, 
Believing always precedes becoming. God's will is God's preference. That's why it's here in this book. But it requires my obedient participation to become my experience. It's not enough for God to want it for you. You must believe that he wants it for you. It's not enough to believe that God wants it for you. You must want it for you. You must want it for you. Here's the second thing. Obedience is not always easy. Come on, say that with me. It's not, is it? You, you would think, Pastor, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I want to please God. Shouldn't it be easy for me? Shouldn't it be easy? The wrong choice is always easy at first, isn't it? Isn't it easy to go with the crowd? Isn't it easy to give in to what everybody else is doing? It's first easy, then it's hard, then it's painful, then it's costly. But it's first easy. Obedience? Obedience is hard. It can be hard. There are moments where obedience can be very hard, but it is very easy to live with the consequences of a pure conscience and a heart that is surrendered to God, even in life's most difficult circumstances. You know, a lot of people get confused. Look at me. The goal is not getting what you want. The goal is not, like I, I was talking to a lady the other day in marriage counseling. She was so upset. And she said, Pastor, I'm just telling you. She said, my husband doesn't get it. He just won't do the work. He said, I just need to keep working on myself. And I'm just so mad. I'm doing everything I can do. What else am I supposed to do? Like how many of you have ever done the right thing and the right thing didn't happen? How many have ever done the wrong thing and the wrong thing happened? How many of you know that if you keep planting the right seed eventually? And you know what I said to her? I said, can I share something with you? I, I, I've been married 42 years. And I said, do you know how many times I have been successful in changing my wife? She's right here on the front row and so are the children. So I have to tell the truth. Let me give you a little signal. Zero. But you know what has happened? When I've surrendered to the Holy Spirit and followed God's word, he worked inside me. And regardless of what she was going through, I was a different person. And I was becoming who God wanted me to be, regardless of what she was walking through. And the same is true in reverse. When Christian was a child, he was our reporter. Everybody's got a reporter in a large family. What do they do? Oh, Jacob hit somebody. Joseph kicked this. You know, just a reporter. You would come back in the room and he would tell you, everybody, the, you know, the ones that always do the worst, they're always reporting on everybody else. Okay, that's the sign. So he would say, tell us everything. He, he was a reporter. And I remember I would stop and I would look at him and I would say, Christian, listen to daddy. Listen carefully. Okay. What you need to work on is taking care of yourself. That is a full-time job. And look at me. If your focus is on your mate changing, can I help you? Focus on leaning into the Spirit of God, obeying His Word, and walking in the way that He wants you to walk. That's a full-time job.
Obedience isn't always easy, but the consequences are easy to live with. In obedience moments that are difficult, it requires dependence. You see, part of the reason that God allows us to go through difficult things is to cause a dependency upon us. I can tell you the most fulfilling moment of every person's life here, regardless of the circumstances. You know what it was? When you were most dependent on God. Now, I hated what it took to get me there. We all. But it made something and gave me something that made me fulfilled and at peace. Listen to Mary's final words to Gabriel, the archangel. Mercy kisses all who fear him from one generation to the next. Mighty power flows to those to scatter all those who walk in in pride. Powerful princes, he tears from their thrones. He lifts up the lowly to take their places. And those who hunger for him will always be filled. But the smug, one translation says the rich and self-satisfied will always be sent away empty because he can never forget to show mercy. He's promised to help his chosen servant, keeping his promises to, listen, Zechariah forgot Abraham's miracle. But Mary didn't forget Abraham's miracle. And she began to sing. Listen carefully to me. As someone has walked through a little pain myself. I hugged a man in an earlier service who, who lost his wife and only child in one accident like that. When Job lost 10 children, lost all of his wealth. Do you know what he did? He fell on the ground and he worshiped. He worshiped. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And for what is taken away from you, he gives you more of himself. More of himself. What does Mary declare about our God. The Roman world was filled with pride and privilege and abuse of power. Women were nothing more than a possession and Jewish women, they were less than that to the Romans. But he said he scatters the proud. He lifts up the lowly. He fills the hungry. He sends those that are rich and self-satisfied away empty and he never forgets to show mercy. Come on. Purity, humility, obedience. Purity, humility, obedience. How many have Instagram? How many popular people are known for purity, humility? Yeah. Answer, none. None. But what weighs as important to the eyes of man is totally different in the eyes of God. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The epistle writes and he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Someone said, God's not choosy. He'll take either job. If you're proud, he'll bring you down. If you're humble, he'll lift you up. I don't believe that. I believe that he wants us to do it the way he commanded us to do it because it's for our best. If I will humble myself, then God who sees in private will one day reward me in public. Humility. Obedience, purity, and then finally, 
My obedience will determine where my children are born. Are you glad Mary obeyed the angel? Who will be glad that you obeyed? Who will be glad that you obeyed? Great moments of obedience require divine intervention, but it can't be done without divine strength. When we obey God, angels know it, wise men proclaim it, and the devil fights it. How, how, How did the devil fight this? Now, this is going to get real personal, real, real personal. Rochelle, don't attack me. My beautiful daughter, Rochelle, is on the front row waiting to go to labor any moment. She's done squats, drank castor oil, ate the smallest crawfish ever pulled out of the ground last night with spices. Everything that you know, if you think you know of something else that will bring that baby here today, please tell her before you leave church. I've stood in front of her and went, come out! It didn't work. Do you know how far it was when Caesar said, you have to go back to the birthplace of your family to be counted in a census? Michelle and I were just in Israel eight months ago. Do you know how far it is from Nazareth to where they had to go to Bethlehem? 80 miles 80 miles by camel or donkey. Have you ever been with a woman eight and a half months pregnant? Like when Joseph gets out of the house, he feels like it's a jailbreak. I said, what are you doing? He goes, she's asleep and he's asleep. My God, I'm free for three hours. Can I come over? He actually called yesterday and said, can I come over? I said, yes, yeah, okay. I just wonder, it's a jailbreak. He felt like he got out of Angola. Ladies, do you remember when you were at that moment and you, were, you either wanted this baby to come out or you were going to kill somebody who didn't agree with you? How many ladies, you remember that? Yeah, you forgot it. Men, how many of you remember that? Yeah, of course you remember that. Of course you remember that. Can you imagine taking a four or five day trip on a donkey or a camel eight and a half months pregnant? Oh, Pastor, I, I, thought, I thought when you obeyed God, I mean, I thought just it was all roses and music and symphony and everything was wonderful. Look at me. More often than not, when you obey God, it divines daily obedience and divine strength, staying in that word every day, praying every day, trusting every day, confessing the promises of God every day. And it's not about you leaping. It's simply plotting one day of obedience after the other one, one day of obedience after the other one. And then the heavens open up and everybody goes, you got a miracle. And they don't see that you've been planting seed all of this time. And in due time, you reap if you don't faint. You reap if you don't faint. Now, obedience brings joy. Obedience brings fulfillment. Obedience brings glory to God. We hear a term a lot. It's called Emmanuel. Say that with me, Emmanuel. Does anybody know what that means? Say it loud. It means God is with us. When we see that, you know what we think that means? It's Christmas or you got a Christmas card. Do you realize that every year Muslims have to go to Mecca to pray to their God? They have to go to him. Jews, they go to Jerusalem. 
they go to him. Okay? Hindus, they go to the sacred places. Tibetan monks, they go to the Himalayas. All of these people go to meet their God. Our God came to meet us. I, I want you to be in church as often as possible because you get encouraged, you get fed, people need to love on you, you need to love on other people, you get to be a part of something much bigger than yourself. But listen to me. The greatest joy of really walking with Jesus is that when you're laying in bed, he hears every sigh. He hears every tear. He knows every concern and cry you have for your mate, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your loved ones. And the moment you say Jesus, he says yes. He didn't say meet me at the church. He says yes. He says yes. God with us. Do you know why we can say God is with us today? Because of the purity, humility, obedience, and faith. Come on, say that with me. Purity, humility, obedience, and faith. Purity, humility, obedience, and faith. Because you know what? Wherever those are, Emmanuel is there as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a simple, humble girl who didn't have to understand to obey who is willing to trust you with her future, who is willing to enjoy the smile and the sorrow, yet be an example for us. Thank you for her humility, her purity, her faith, and her obedience. Today it speaks to us. Lord, forgive us for we've given up on our prayers. Forgive us where we've allowed the natural part of our life that when something supernatural happens, immediately we become critical. Today, Emmanuel is here. Emmanuel is here. And we thank you for it. And a precious little girl who said, be it to me according to God's word and will for my life. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You say, Pastor, what, what does that mean? Every person born since Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit of the tree in the garden, has been spiritually dead. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. The most spiritual people you know now were born spiritually dead. That's why Jesus said to a Jewish rabbi in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, Nicodemus, you won't see the kingdom of God. You won't enter into the kingdom of God. Have you been born again? That simply means do you have a living relationship with Christ where he's come to live inside of you? The moment you're born again, your sins are forgiven. Christ comes to live in you through the power of the Holy Spirit and you begin a true journey of knowing God, of Emmanuel, God with us, being with you. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you, 
If you've never been born again, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, you say, Pastor, I want to be born again. What do I need to do? A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. And C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. If that's you, if that's what you want to do, if you want to be born again today, it only happens once, just like the day you were born. Then on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you just right where you are in your seats. One, God brought you here. Yes, he brought you. I know you think somebody invited you. He's been drawing you for a long time. Two, nothing's an accident. Now looking back, even now, you can begin to see God's hand guiding you, drawing you back, keeping you from what would have been or could have been to draw you to himself. And now's your time to surrender, to know him, to become spiritually alive, to be born again. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. I want to pray for you right where you are. Lift it high. Lift it high. Yes, yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Okay. You can put your hands down. Last ten seconds, Pastor. I didn't raise my hand with these nineteen, but I should have. I know God's talking to me. I know I need a new beginning. I need to know God. I want to become spiritually alive. I want to join these 19 today. I've never been born again. I want to be born again today. If that's you, raise your hand right now. If you didn't raise it already, 20, 21. All right. The church, let's pray out loud with all of those that raised their hand to be born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you enjoy the message from Pastor Jacob? Hey, would you stand on your feet with me? If you just made that decision to give your life to Jesus, your next step is water baptism. You grab one of these cards right in front of you, fill that information out, leave it on your pew. Well, hey, would you bow your heads as I bless you before we leave? Now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you, may he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And may all that you set your hands to, may it be for his kingdom and may he honor it, and may he bless it. And as your pastor, I bless you in the name of the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, we have prayer partners up at the front. We'll see you next week.